This week on Talking Back, how would you like to live your life in the blink of an eye? Talking Back. Hello, everybody. Talking Back is back again. New week, new episode. We got a couple of special guests here with us this week. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tim. J- Jason Mikovich, I'll say full names. And Terry Kukalo, thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome for the invitation. So, Talking Back, this is a podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. And this is going to be our first and more episode. So we've done the others. This is our and more. So what we've come here today to talk about is Star Trek. The three of us, we love it. We often get together and watch it. We have Star Trek marathons. We sure do. And we haven't had one of those in a while, but we're probably far overdue for that. We are. Specifically, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Voyager. So beam me up, Tim. Yeah, beam, Jay's beaming, <laughs> beaming up as we speak. Um, just to get started, uh, I wanted to let you guys know that it is it is star date seven three two four zero point four right now. All right, that's Captain's log. Uh, we'll get get that in there. So I think before we actually get into what we're going to be talking about, let's just talk a bit about how we got into Star Trek or why we love it. Um, Jay, why don't you go first? Oh, boy. Uh, Jay has a sick Star Trek tattoo on his forearm. I'll try to hold it up to the microphone to see if... Show everybody. Yeah, see if you guys can see it. Uh, Uh, But uh, that is definitely a loaded question. Um, I don't want to take up too much of the time here, so I'll just say... We have all the time. You say all that you need to say. Growing up, I, uh, I was... I was picked on a lot growing up. It was I was the big kid. I, I was always kind of bullied, and and I don't know how or when it was, but I think it was an episode of Next Gen was on TV, and I think I just instinctively fell in love with the fact that the show represented everything that humanity could be, the best of us. And as an adult, I can I can dissect it that way, and I know that's what it was. But as a kid, you don't you don't know it. You just you're drawn to it. And then there's the sci-fi element and you know, space battles and all that stuff. And I, I think I was just hooked and I never really gave Star Trek a chance till probably my mid to late teens when I revisited it again. And, and I started to marathon and had an appreciation for the old show and the culture and, and everything that came before it. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess how my passion of it started and cool. Hasn't died down. The rest is history. (laughs) Terry. Uh, mine isn't too dissimilar. I grew up out of town, and we only had uh, whatever our uh, aerial reception would bring in. So Farmer Vision had four channels, and Star Trek: Next Generation was one of those one of those uh, shows on one of those channels, <clears throat> and it was on every week. Um, originally, I think I was drawn to it because I like sci-fi, even though I wasn't aware of it at the time. And um, then I think what really drew me to it was it was a really good show. Especially from about season three onwards, the show picks up in pace and uh, um, Next Generation ends up being just fantastic. Uh, So from there, I was watching and then mid-90s, Deep Space Nine came out and then uh, then Voyager. And I watched all the way through to the 
late nineties. And then, um, we got back into it and mm-hmm. I, I haven't stopped watching it since. So, yeah. So Terry, I think you, you're the one who's seen the most episodes out of the three of us. I think we've all seen a lot, but I think you, you've seen everything, haven't you? Uh, virtually everything. I think I'm missing a couple of the, the original, original series. I might've accidentally skipped over. I have all the DVDs except for, um, well, I don't think Discovery's season two is out yet, but, uh, I have all the other DVDs, and they make nice collection sets. So, yeah, they do. I have a, a so, few myself. So, yeah, I've seen pretty much all. And uh, if you average about 125 per season, which is a little bit high because not all the seasons had 25 episodes, uh, or I don't know, what's six series? Now? I think the number is mm. in the high 700s for yeah. how many episodes. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, including the animated show, I believe. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the animated show. Did you see them all? Not or did the animated you, one you so you're not including no that. no right. i can't uh, so, i can't take credit for seeing everything you've got some homework but to yeah do. We but should, we, we have do that. we have there was one uh drunken evening where yeah. you and i we streamed quite a bit of fan fandom star trek oh series. yeah yeah that one was really good the cg with yeah it, there were there were some few random weird ones but there was one that was a surprise hit that yeah. just the animation was horrible but boy was the story good yeah i'll have to find out what that title was i'll bring it back later but. I, I think the thing that i can summarize star, star trek and why it's so popular is kind of what you said um things can be lacking in a show things can be lacking in in any kind of uh entertainment media entertainment media but um if the story is really really good it transcends it all and star trek episode by episode maybe not every episode is fantastic but there are enough really really good standalone episodes that you can come back 10 years later watch it again and uh enjoy it absolutely yeah and uh there's not very many shows that can say that so yeah yeah they obviously have bad episodes and they have great episodes and then they have episodes in the middle but yeah the the really good episodes are very rewatchable i've seen Mm -hmm. certain episodes 10 15 20 times and i still enjoy watching them so it's interesting that you guys both started with next next gen. It was the right right. It came out at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was never like the original series was never on. I, I don't ever remember watching the original series on TV. It just wasn't never part of primetime lineup yeah. on TV. I guess where yeah. next gen was. The caveat to my story about getting into Star Trek actually I forgot about that element. Uh, my older sister. Uh, she was seven years older than me, and uh, she would watch the the original series back in the eighties. And uh, I always thought it was Star Trek because I didn't understand <laughs> what a Trek was when I'm uh, when I'm seven years old. But uh, um, she was really into it. So when Next Generation came on, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like the show that she was watching. And then that's when I got into mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I, I, I got into the original series. Um, I, I had an older brother, and he would go to the library and actually rent or take out the vhs tapes oh at the library at the library so that's how that's how i was able to see it because yeah it wasn't really on tv at that time they Mm -hmm. weren't it wasn't in syndication when i was you know yeah whatever seven or eight years old um so yeah i i I kind of fell in love with some of those original um episodes and then i didn't really get back into it until probably i was probably around 25 actually really Mm -hmm. but you watched voyager between then right Uh, no, I didn't. No, I, I came back into uh, watching Star Trek with, with Voyager, but I kind of skipped over Next Gen. It didn't really appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember delivering papers, and when I would go to collect, I would kind of always go on the same day of the week. And there was one house that always watched 
next gen. <laughs> yeah. So I always got little bits of it. Mm. And I always felt bad <laughs> when I went there. Because I was bothering them in the middle of their Star Trek episode. They probably hated me for bad. doing it. Sometimes the, the parents would just send the, the daughters out to, to make payment <laughs> as they were watching their show. But That's yeah, great. I got I got back into it when I was about 25. Like I said, I was unemployed for a bit of time. And Voyager was on, uh, it was on television two times a day. It was on at like 3.30 in the afternoon and then I think uh, 10 at night. So I just, I, was, I tuned in one day and I saw one clip of one of the episodes and it just grabbed me and I was like, this is kind of neat. I'm going to watch this show. And it ended up having such a great story. And I was kind of hooked after that. So mm-hmm. I started watching, I would watch the 3.30 show and then I'd watch the 10 o'clock show. That's great. And they were about three seasons apart. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I actually started <clears throat> watching probably in season five or six and then saw the ending and was still catching up with this mm-hmm. other one that was... Um, you know, a few, three seasons earlier than that. So it's a little bit disjointing doing it. That. It was, it, but it was interesting. I liked this. Yeah. And, and as a fresh viewer, Star Trek has that ability for, for a new audience to just jump in. You can, you can, can. You can start it anywhere. And it's not, it's not like these days where there's a consecutive storyline yeah. throughout an entire season. You could start anywhere, get hooked, and then go back whenever you want. And what you, what you would miss that way is there the storylines that they do have because they do have, storylines that weave their way through the Mm. entire series but if you're not watching one after another and not paying attention for that you know you you don't you don't need it you You don't don't necessarily need it it, it, you do you do lose it it adds it adds a lot but you don't need it yeah okay great then let's get into it so star trek voyager is the fifth series in the star trek universe that's including the animated series yeah Uh, it aired initially january 16th 1995 and ran until may 23rd 2001 voyager had 172 episodes and it ran for seven seasons wow it is close to 25 a season then at that rate they yeah they were doing 22 to 24 somewhere in there yeah so with voyager we follow the adventures of a starfleet vessel named the uss voyager and in the very first episode voyager becomes stranded in the delta quadrant which is a bit different for Star Trek, most of the series, probably all the other series take place in, a, in, the, Alpha. in the Alpha Quadrant, which is where Earth is. So in, in Star Trek, their universe is, when I say universe, I mean the Milky Way galaxy, mm-hmm. is broken down into four quadrants. That's how they differentiate the Milky Way. Like I mentioned, Earth is in the Alpha Quadrant. There's the Beta, Gamma, and Delta. And the Delta is opposite of the Alpha Quadrant. So it's the furthest one away. So they take Voyager and they fling it as far away as possible. That initial plot device of having this ship, this lone ship in a new galaxy, like it just added such an interesting element to this this show. Like right off the bat, just that alone, like these people are probably going to live their lives out on this ship in this other quadrant. It raises the stakes right off the bat. Yeah, I, I never had a full grasp of the quadrants really until Voyager came around and, and made me feel like, Holy crap, the Delta quadrant is this whole other place we've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, and, and all new adventures. Like it's exciting before the Voyager. I had maybe cause I was a teenager and whatnot, but uh, before that I didn't even realize it was only set in the, in our galaxy. You know, I thought it was all over the universe. And then when you find out, Holy crap, Milky Way is pretty big, uh, pretty big place. Uh, yeah. To have that much space. 
casting of a captain is is critical, and I mm-hmm. think for the most part, Star Trek does a really good job of it. I I was sold as Janeway as the captain from the first episode. Like you could just feel the confidence from her. You could feel that she has the experience, but she still looked at everything ahead of her with <laughs> with wonder and you know, just like us as the audience do. I mean, I think what I like about uh, Janeway is. Uh, the science background that she has. I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the episode we're going to be doing here, uh, we're jumping right into it. Just we're going all the way to season six, Ooh. episode 12. Set phasers to stun. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, let me redo that sound bit. Set phasers to fun. There we go. You can edit that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's gone. Gone. <laughs> Terry, note the time for me. That, that's out of, 751. out of there. <laughs> Um, so the episode is called, uh, Blink of an Eye. All right. This episode is believed to have been inspired by a 1980 science fiction novel named, uh, The Dragon's Egg. And that's a story where a neutron star with a surface gravity 67 billion times that of Earth. I love like 67 billion. Like you could just say 1 million times the (laughs) gravity of earth and it's this humongous change right but no 67 billion times that of earth and it's inhabited by chila which are an intelligent creature the size of a sesame seed who um develop a million times faster than humans they definitely it sounds like they definitely borrow, borrowed from that idea yeah this episode. I'd, I'd say so. but that's all that was that that's the only similarities of it or were there more yeah kind of just the story they really developed the heck out of it well, because there's a uh, other than the fact that they develop faster than humans there's no uh, direct link they really filled out that story i think really they're well for yeah they were definitely inspired by it, it sounds inspired like. yeah i'm yeah, not yeah. i didn't read the book so there yeah. could be other stuff in there but that's yeah, really they definitely they, yeah, they definitely took some some similarities from it there so it's it's directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. Now, interestingly enough, this is actually the first time a woman directed an episode of Star Trek. She did an amazing mm-hmm. job. Yeah, and that's pretty deep into the Seriously. the life of Star Trek oh, for a woman yeah. to be directing for the first time. Uh, but she actually... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. So she is the first. She was the first woman to direct Star Trek, oh, and she directed this episode. But she directed earlier okay, episodes. That makes sense. She directed six episodes from Next Gen, and then she did one from Deep Space Nine, one from Voyager, and her husband is actually in this episode. Which character? Oh, yeah. He's um, the the his name is Cleric in the show. He's the old. He's the old the dude, old walking, dude up, uh, oh, the old, walking up there? Yeah. yeah. Then she must he's be older than I ever envisioned her, because that guy looks like he's like 75 <laughs> and it's... Uh... Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, she's old, yeah. It's it's interesting, because I, I looked her up as well, and, you know, her body of work is is interesting. Yeah. It, compared to what, she, like, the, the quality she produced on this Voyager episode. Like, I just, it was like night and day. So, she obviously found her niche with Voyager, yeah. or Star Trek. Yeah, and Star Trek, known for their special guests... They always have uh, very mm-hmm. recognizable special guests. So the one to note in this in this show in this episode was Daniel Day Kim, mm-hmm. who plays a character Gotana Retz, and he's done a lot of a lot of stuff himself. But he's probably for me he's best known for his role on Lost. Okay. Uh, I don't know about you guys. He plays Jin on Lost. Okay. Yeah. So that's a bit for the background there, and we could just get right into the story if you guys want to. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, so in this episode, Voyager approaches an alien world, and Janeway, of course, wants to go in a little bit closer to explore. They are explorers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they go in, 
and their ship gets trapped in the planet's orbit by the planet's magnetic field. So I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of go through the story here, but jump in whenever you want to say something. Uh, any points that you want to touch on or things that you liked about the show, just interrupt me. Sure. Uh, sometimes I talk uh, too much on these episodes. So interesting formula in this episode where we're going back and forth from the ship to the planet. Mm-hmm. Right. We're seeing things happening on both. First scene, we see the ship. Then the next scene, we see this planet. We're down on the planet. It kind of resembles like what cavemen might look like, uh, that type of uh, time period. Yeah. Yep. This is interesting. We never actually get to know the name of this species. I was looking for it so that yeah. I could call them by their name for this episode. And they I don't have remember. a name. Yeah. They, they don't actually have one. And I was trying to figure out why. And the best I could come up with was bit of a spoiler here but the crew never actually goes down to the planet to meet the species they only so meet, i wonder they only meet one of them yeah I, yeah i wondered if that was maybe why maybe they only tell you the species name if they actually make contact with that species so that's all i could really think of one of these cavemen or whatever they're he's offering looks like he's offering fruit and vegetables on an altar and as he as he's doing that, he lays down one piece of fruit specifically. They call the fire fruit. And when he does that, the earth ground, ground, the, the ground yeah. starts shaking. Mm-hmm. And then up in the sky, uh, you see a bright, bright star appear yeah. in the sky. And that's supposed to be Voyager getting sucked in, trapped in. It's the brightest star mm-hmm. in the dark night sky at that time. Yeah. It is, which is important because it it this species, they seem to worship the stars yeah they see each star as a deity mm-hmm. so voyager comes in and is now the brightest star like you said in the sky making it their most important god yeah, yeah. right so they they decide that at this point the fire fruit is off limits mm-hmm. nobody gets to eat it it's just for it's like they're it's trying just, to just appease voyager yeah uh, because voyager comes in and instantly the ground starts shaking so obviously the god is mad at them and they need to appease them with uh with its own special fruit and yeah. its own special arc altar because they get into that uh, shortly after uh after the one altar gets shaken down kind of thing oh like, yeah, yeah he, the the other fellow the younger one in that scene says no we got to get another we got to get his own A big, special oh that's altar. right that's yeah. right yeah right good point so back on the ship you're gonna hear me saying this a lot back on the ship back on the planet back on the ship <laughs> so back on the ship um seven of nine we're not gonna we're not gonna get into the voyager characters here uh we could we could talk about that forever yeah we could talk about that forever so we could touch on it as needed but uh it's not uh yeah yeah, we could do a whole episode just on the characters and their personalities but yeah if if you don't know who seven of nine is google her there google her yes odds are you've seen the show and she's in five sevenths of the episodes or four sevenths of the episodes so uh well you know Let's just touch on one thing. Um, somebody explained to me why her name is Seven of Nine. Because it's a bit of a strange name. So if we're not going to talk about the characters, let's just let our, <laughs> our listeners in at least to why someone is called Seven of Nine. I'll let you do it because you probably uh, have it. Oh, she, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna get it skewed a little bit. But she was part of the board collective. And this, this regiment that she was assigned to, she was, uh, I guess there, there was nine of them. She was Seven of Nine. Am I on the right path? For yeah, that? yeah. yeah like she was the, the seventh, of nine the something. seventh of nine. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it's a way they. Uh, I think it's almost like they're 
like the way that they're um, almost born, you know, in a way, like when they become when they become bored. It's really like a collectible car. They stamp it one of 2000 or one of whatever. And that's kind of what she is just for that segment of the right. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, and I, it your your that number has a meaning. So she she always says when she's saying her name, she's like, I'm seven of nine. Um, uh, emissary of adjunct two zero something like that yeah Yeah. and it's like it's supposed to pull a lot of weight like if she (laughs) if she said that to like the right Borg he'd probably shit his (laughs) pants right but (laughs) to us it it doesn't mean much but she says that to Harry King he shits his pants (laughs) yeah yeah she she apparently is like a a powerful Mm -hmm. Borg character so well she's a powerful she's a powerful character anyway because she's a very strong willed uh, very intelligent very driven person naturally so um, that being said, it probably translated to whatever the Borg are like in their society, if they have one, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it probably translates through because she definitely is that way in the Voyager series. And she was assimilated at a very young age. So yeah. she's been with the collective a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. We'll have to get back together again and talk more about characters mm-hmm. on another, sure. yeah. a later date. So back on the ship, uh, she's 709, very intelligent. Back on the ship, she figures out that this planet has a tachyon core. Now, we hear the word tachyon thrown around a lot mm-hmm. in Star Trek, along with other words that don't make any sense. They sound good, though. They sound good, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys know what a tachyon is? Uh, I don't know. Uh, tachyon I, pulse, tachyon emission. <laughs> I hear it all the time. I, I think I might have actually read it at one point, but I do not remember it. I d- like sounds it. like radiation. I don't know. Something yeah, like I, didn't, I didn't know either. Uh, I... I recognize it when they say it, and I'm just like, oh, that's another one of those scientific things I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So what a, what a tachyon is, I looked it up. What a tachyon is, it's actually a, a hypothetical particle that can travel faster than the speed of light. Okay. So it was theorized here on Earth. That's cool. It's, um, you know, in our world, it's hypothetical, but in the Star Trek world, it's not hypothetical. Mm. Yeah, it's I like something, that. something that exists. I like that. That's one really thing cool. that I like most about sci-fi and fantasy, for that matter, is if they give you a, a valid reason why something could exist, then you can go with it. So in Star Trek, something like that could exist because they're 300 years ahead of us and the technology has grown and it allows for you to extrapolate your mind to allow that. Um, if you don't have that reason to believe in it, then the suspension of disbelief is shocked. But Star Trek does a very good job with integrating science, pseudoscience into reality and uh, allow the storyline to take place. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I mean, it's no um, no surprise that, you know, Star Trek introduced a lot of technology that we have nowadays. Yeah. Right? It almost guided... Cell phones. Uh, cell phones, mm-hmm. um, iPads. Um, Actually, uh, I was watching transporters. The, uh, that uh, that episode of what, what Star Trek get, did to the world. And when Data on Star Trek Next Generation is... Um, I don't remember who comes into the room, but Data's listened to like seven or ten pieces of music all at one time. All, of, all the computers playing for it and he's listening and uh, they're like, how do you even know what that is? And he's like, I can hear them all. And so he slowly shuts down the different uh, songs so that the, the other person can enjoy them. And uh, the, the fellow, I think, that started up uh, iTunes and uh, QuickTime, he had watched that episode and that's what sparked his imagination to uh, to uh, create the program that eventually led to iTunes uh, or, oh, or some of the programming that led to it. That's and, really cool. Uh, yeah, that's a... Really wow. amazing. Uh, See, Star Trek, man. It's, yeah. It inspires. It really Watch does. it, people. Yep. Watch it. So, so tachyon emissions. Yeah. <laughs> tachyon core. Yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Planet's got a tachyon core. <laughs> yeah. So Voyager has become stuck and has actually become the third pole for the planet. 
which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's they could have gone with anything, but the third pole that's just something I've never heard of before. Yeah, they never either. described that before. So yeah, and then what ends up happening because of that just makes a lot of sense. That third pole starts pulling away at the planets, the crust of the planet, mm-hmm. and that's causing major earthquakes on the planet. Yeah. It offsets the planet's equilibrium for yeah. the most part. Yeah, and in doing so, uh, that's the aftermath of it all. Yeah, so then then we learn something very interesting that they scan the planet further and they find out that time is actually passing at a far more rapid rate on the planet than it is out in the rest of the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that so, concept alone is what makes this episode so fantastic. Even though the story is really that's, great. That's the that's the core of it. That's yeah. the core of this episode. And that makes it among the best episodes of Star Trek in any series because yeah. of that uh, that one element. Yeah, this this episode always gets rated really high on um, best of all time lists mm-hmm. for all of the Star Trek yeah, series. Such a strong concept, and there's so much, and they did a good job with it. There's a lot of shows that have a really great premise, but then they don't really do a great job uh, developing that premise. Yeah, right? sure. And you're like, oh, I wish it was a little bit better, but you like the premise a lot. Well, yeah, this one did a really great job with the premise and. Uh, um, and therefore, it's a yeah, classic. I definitely could not have done any better myself, yeah. or, nor is there anything I would even change in this episode. Yeah. So the time differential is every second that occurs on Voyager is a day down on the planet. So back on the planet, the species, they now seem to be around in the 1600s-ish. Like yeah. if you picture 1600s Getting close to Earth, times. Yeah. they're there already. They've gone from caveman... To this new time period, mm-hmm. yep. uh, just from one scene back on Voyager, so we get this, we get to we get to start to see what's going to be happening in this episode, and you start to see the evolution of the people. You know, you got that one guy, I can't remember his name. He's questioning. Oh, I think I think the skies are full of people like us. You know, right, and, right. Uh, so it, it was really cool to see that kind of development. Well, yeah, in this in this in this time period, the 1600s, you're right. They start to they're they're Oh, go ahead. Crack it. It's philosophy. Sorry, that was me. Is philosophizing a word? Uh, philosophy. <laughs> I always screw that up. They're philosoph- these guys are philosophizing. philosophizing. Is it okay yeah. that I brought a beer into the podcast? Yeah. I brought them in. They're at all the podcasts. <laughs> so the, um, yes, so we get a couple of this, this species philosoph- philosophizing. Having philosophical conversation about <laughs> the ground shaking. At, well, they call it the ground shaker and the mm-hmm. light bringer. Right. Mm-hmm. So when Voyager came, the ground started shaking and it's the brightest star. So now they've yeah. they've changed the name of it. And what they're trying to do here, it's back at the same spot. It's at that altar again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that has continued to be a point for them that is important. So what they're trying to do now is they're using the best technology they have to try to communicate with Voyager. So they're at the the point where they have a balloon. Yeah. So they're gonna send. They're gonna write a message and send it up in the balloon. Yeah. And that's gonna go to uh, go up to Voyager. But they start talking about already how they how this one guy he's a bit of a maybe an outlier, right? He's kind of he's 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 going against traditional beliefs here. Mm-hmm. He's kind of pushing the envelope about you know this might not be. Yeah. A, a god and yeah. he's if it is a god he's angry at it and that's where he he wants to write that letter yeah because and, it's uh, just keeps destroying he says something like it it the it keeps destroying all the beautiful things that they build mm-hmm. or that they create so 
they they worship it, but at the same time, they see it as something that's causing them destruction. A threat, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this is the right time to mention it, but I think one of the things... I'm going to stop you if it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, this is a very deep, deep... Speak slowly. uh, ...concept in my own... uh, in my own mind, anyway, one of the things that attracts me to Star Trek more than things like Star Wars and other shows is Star Trek has a, a, a method of touching our normal reality and um, and expanding on it and making you question things in your real life um, in a manner within the show that makes sense. And so he's he's pondering about is this, is it a god? And if it is, why is it always angry at us? But it gives us light. And um, is it evil? And he's even writing a letter that's angry and the other guy talks him down out of it, out of his demands. And um, that happens probably a lot in our own world. And I think that's why the the episodes translate for so well, so well for so long. Yeah. Because uh, they relate to everybody in different ways. Yep. Great point. And not every show does that. Most of them actually miss the point of that. So. Yeah. So this guy's got an idea of his own. So he thinks that this each star is not a god, but he thinks that each star is actually full of people. Yeah. And then we go back to Voyager. On Voyager, they see that the species has already entered the Industrial Revolution. So already, you know, yeah. several hundred years it's like further. It's in, in mm-hmm. if you're related to us. So mm-hmm. whatever, whatever scene we see, time passes greatly. Yeah. Right. So they do a really good job of jumping back and forth. Really and do. even though we are on the planet, when we go back to Voyager, Voyager this whole time, all they're trying to do is get themselves out, out of, of out of orbit. So really, they're they're spending like maybe hours just trying to figure it out. But all this time is passing on the planet. So they, uh, like I said, they're in the Industrial Revolution, and um, from the the scans on Voyager, they they realize that this species is way further developed with the use of iron mm-hmm. than Earth was. Yeah, and they attribute that to needing to um, increase structural integrity for their buildings. Yeah. yeah. So Voyager, because of Voyager. Voyager is like imprinting itself. Obviously, it's already imprinted itself on their yeah. religious beliefs, but now it's imprinting itself on the way that they're developing technology as yeah. well. Um. All right. So it's Industrial Revolution. And on the planet, we get a couple of, of people who are now looking through a telescope mm-hmm. at Voyager. And you can now see that it is not a star. You can see that it is a bit of a spaceship and they, they call it a skyship they yeah, start to call it the skyship yeah. yeah so the the, te- the telescope technology has allowed them to realize what's going on and you know everything everything changes and i love that i love that observatory room it's got the old uh, kind of steampunk look to it yeah. it's got the cast or the the coppery looking uh massive telescope that's probably larger than uh, two people put together the old buck rogers sci-fi kind yeah. of sets yep and then they have uh they have uh, like radio technology and uh like they're they're somewhere in the early 1920s to 1940s for their technology for um for communication and for mm. uh for the telescope itself. And I, I really like how it kind of follows humans development. It, yeah, it's, yeah, but, exactly. It also, it also extrapolates on humans developments because of, like you said, Voyager is causing their buildings to fall down. So now they, they had to, out of necessity, add more iron and steel into their structures. So, yeah. So they're, they're paralleling earth, mm-hmm. but their achievements are becoming greater faster yeah. because of the presence of Voyager. Now, is that actually what what happened? Like, is this planet 
its lifespan is speeding up because of the presence of Voyager? Or uh, is this no. the way the planet I think it always, always was? That way, yeah. That's the way the planet and, is. And that's another thing that's fascinating about this is Voyager could have just bypassed this planet completely. And this planet's entire history would have gone from start to eventually end, maybe. Yeah. And no one would even know they existed. And that makes for a really, really interesting uh, concept because Voyager, I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts, but had they not got sucked into this planet and they just, whatever, parked it uh, just outside the planet's range that they're not sucked in Mm. and waited six weeks in their real time, even without their presence within the planet to uh, to push them to to technological heights, um, they would have probably had ships out of there at that time, you know, because six weeks there would have been like a million years to that planet, you know, so... Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point of topic that we can get to a little bit later. Sure. Like you said, Terry, the technology they have, they're sending radio signals and they're also mm-hmm. sending Morse code. Yep. And they're, they're basically sending, like, they're sending what Earth would be... Probably what Earth did send out as mm-hmm. well. Like, Earth would send prime numbers... In that setting. Uh, some radio waves back then, yeah. yeah. So that's what they're doing. And they keep they keep sending these messages, but nobody is responding so they decide to take a more personal approach and actually record an audio message mm-hmm. to yep. send that to Voyager. So Voyager receives that transmission. It's it's super fast because mm-hmm. of this transition. So they have to slow it way 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 down. Yeah. But they they end up slowing it down and they they learn a bit then about what's happening on the planet and how, how the planet views them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say things like yeah they're calling it the skyship um they assume Voyager has come from another world, which is correct because they know it's a ship. Mm-hmm. And they they basically, that they hope Voyager will stop making these earthquakes. Yep. They, they say, we want to, you know, we want to believe that you're not doing this on purpose, but this is happening and yep. could you please stop it? So, And that part, I remember the Janeway and Paris and all them sitting in the, in the boardroom there on Voyager and they're all like, like you can see the guilt on all their faces, even though they never really meant for this to happen. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, to know that you're kind of destroying people's lives and uh, for thousands of generations, uh, it's got to be pretty hard on the conscience. Yeah. Tom Paris, one of the characters, he, he wants to send them back a message right? he wants to say, look, you know, we're absolutely not doing this on purpose. We're just stuck here. But the prime directive, which is a reoccurring theme in, in star in star Trek, where, the Starfleet is not allowed to make contact with a species unless that species can travel at warp speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this species is not there yet. So the captain is like, we cannot, we can't do it. We can't talk to them. And then there's a, a, a good argument about, you know, what, what does making contact really mean with a mm-hmm. planet? Because they've already imprinted themselves so greatly on this um, species. Yep. Yeah, uh, existence. Thousands of generations. Really. Yeah. They, they've become part of this planet's pop culture, its religion. It's yeah. it's very felt on the planet. I think and it's Janeway that says, but we haven't actually... That's been slowly drifting through their through their uh, uh, core identity, but we haven't actually made contact, even though they can see us here. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think uh, that's where uh, there was some disagreements with the crew about it. I think that's where they left off with the disagreements about it all. Yeah, she defends her her point of view by saying that Voyager has gradually imprinted themselves mm-hmm. upon this species, and to them, they've only been there for I don't know, maybe a couple hours, hours a day or something, two days, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
So it seems like a big shock to them, but to the people on the planet, you know, it's, it's, they've been there forever and it's, it's more natural. And and she, she, yeah, she, she stands firm that they're, they're not going to make contact. And then she points out that because of this time differential that they probably can't even go down there. Like the humans can't even go down Mm -hmm. there. And she clarifies with the doctor, like doctor, this is, I mean, if, if one of them goes down there... They'll die in uh, 12 hours. Or well, they, yeah. yeah, they might live on the planet for however long. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. If, if they send that person down for five minutes, they're going to... When they come back, they're going to be... 100 years old. Yeah, really old. So they can't even do it. But the doctor points out that he could do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the doctor is a hologram. Mm-hmm. And those... Um, the effects of the planet wouldn't do anything to him. Mm-hmm. So... They get the idea to actually send him down to gather a little bit of information. So their plan is to send him down for three seconds, which would be a few days on the planet. Mm-hmm. So they get him on the transporter, they transport him out of there, they count to three, one, two, three, and then they can't get him back. And they something happens. And they so, something happens, yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. He's gone. It makes for a much interest, more interesting. Yeah. And then there was, there's a commercial immediately after that because you're, <laughs> you're definitely coming back to see what so happened. it's been at least three minutes <laughs> since he's been gone. Yeah. They, they work as fast as they can to get the doctor back. And by the time they finally do get him back, they it's been three years for him. He's been yeah. down there three years. What a shock to the system. You're on the planet for three years. You suspect that you're going to get back out of there. And then you're in the middle of whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> you and all of a sudden you're back transported back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. For all I know, he just won the lottery. Yeah. And, uh, and instead li- he's back up on Voyager. I like that how they found him was they um, searched for the cultural yeah, center of good. the city because he's a very cultured individual. Yeah. So they actually were able to pinpoint his location by searching where the cultural district was. And they yeah. actually found him there and were able to transport him out of there. That's a yeah. nice tension to detail. Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. That's that's great character building. Because that's where he would be, right? Yeah. So the doctor comes back. He's super excited to see them. And this was interesting because he says, I, I knew that you never left. Because all I had to do was look up in yeah. the sky and you were there. Yeah. Right? So he would have been, even though he's down there alone, he would have been comfort, comforted knowing that yeah. they're there still, right? Yes. And, he, and he knew going in that an hour on Voyager could be... A very long time yeah. to him, so it's not like they gave up on him. It's it, it's literally only been minutes or an hour right. later, and uh, uh, so he knew that that was part of the. He knew, had that information, so it made it would have made all the difference in the world to somebody that's stranded there. You'd, yeah, you'd still feel comforted, right? You mm-hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't be af- really be afraid. So the doctor tells them that Voyager's presence has, you know, we've touched on this a little bit already, but it's encouraged the culture just to advance. In, in so many different ways that it might not have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, there's toys of the sky ship. There's, well, I guess the, the main thing that they're doing is they're trying to build weapons and technology mm-hmm. in tandem to try to actually get to Voyager. Yeah. So there's a bit of a race going on on the planet between people who want to destroy the ship Mm-hmm. And people who want to investigate the ship. Yeah, they they mention I think briefly that all these factions have been created, or certain, yeah. So there is a divide on the planet now. The and doctor a disagreement. Even, the doctor even talks about the little war that happens between the two different sides of mm-hmm. it, and how his apartment got blown up or something. like so that. So Voyager yeah. is now the cause of war. Yeah, right. But planet. a very short war. So yeah, uh, it's, well, it's, to, yeah, to us, it's, but yeah. even short to them because it was only uh, like a few days long or yeah. something like that. So. 
Um, it's because they have the bigger, like a bigger purpose, right? It's yeah. like, it's that, that, that idea of like, oh, if aliens came to Earth, Earth would unite. join together and unite to fight the alien. It's like, yeah. yeah, there's this alien that's damaging their planet. So they, they yeah. are united, but while they're united, they are. They have a difference on how to yeah, handle some it. Some of them have different ideas about how to, yeah, how to deal with the situation. Yeah. And if Voyager had never caused these earthquakes, um, the show would have been quite a bit different on the way the aliens acted to them. Because if they just sat there in the sky, they would have just been kind of a beacon, yeah. Not not this uh, shadowy figure that's causing them harm. So uh, yeah, it's definitely a a story element that they needed to have to create this drama and tension where yeah. uh, Voyager might get attacked. Yeah. So the species they get to a point where they develop spacecraft. Yes. And they send a two man shuttle up to greet Voyager. So the race between weaponry. And investigation, ultimately investigation has won here. Mm-hmm. So before a missile is being shot yeah. at Voyager, a shuttle is going up to try to make contact. Or at the very least, uh, the people that wanted to destroy Voyager are okay investigating first. Sure. Because you can't take, you can take back an investigation, you can't take back a right. weapon. You know, so. Sure, yeah, yeah, that could, be, that could be the case as well. So this spacecraft, they find a place to dock on Voyager. They go in, they start to explore and everybody appears frozen in time. Yeah. And it's because of this time differential. So the uh, these these two members of the the spacecraft are, you know, would be moving way faster than mm-hmm. than everybody on Voyager. It's like watching a flash show or Superman running mm-hmm. super yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's that kind of element. There's actually a, an episode in the original series which is a little bit like this where a species comes on is it uh i think that's another species comes on enterprise and everybody's kind of frozen in time on, on enterprise and it's the same type of idea way. they uh, this other species moves like super super fast and or it was vice versa like the kirk yeah. goes on some other ship or something it's something like that kirk already moves fast when he goes oh he's like, he moves real fast <laughs> so these uh the, the two people in the spacecraft they kind of start to freak out a bit because mm-hmm. they get they don't really know what's going on because the people on Voyager are like going about their daily routine. Like, yeah. like Neelix yeah. is pouring someone a cup of coffee and the coffee stream I, is, is out. Yeah. And I, it, I was going to bring that up. That was probably the coolest shot because to them, they're meeting their, their gods or these alien mm-hmm. creatures. Yeah. And the shot we see when they make it onto the bridge is Neelix pouring Janeway a cup of coffee. It would be yeah. re- really like, disappointing so for them yeah. To, yeah. to find that. But it also yeah. does a good job of telling them everything they need to know. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, there was a movie called Clockstoppers where they see the hummingbird's wings. And because the hummingbird's wings flap so fast, it actually was slightly moving to show that this is actually happening. They're just mm. too fast to see uh, to see reality's um, uh, timeline. And- and uh, that's what this coffee did because coffee doesn't just sit floating in the air randomly, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they sensed that that was the case. So because of this time transition, yep. it causes them both to pass out. They It looks like they're in a lot of pain. They pass out to the floor. As soon as they do, like time kind of kicks back in on Voyager yep. and everybody just starts moving at normal speed. They see these intruders. Uh, I think someone says that there's a, a spaceship is docked at one of their ports. Yeah. What did you guys think about, uh, I was thinking of this myself, what did you think about the element of how the aliens transitioned into uh, Voyager time? And uh, what was your perception on how they did that? You know, like, because... I don't think it was done all that well, but then... If you were to ask me, like, well, what would you do differently? Well, I don't know. I I don't know what I would do different. 
if this if this episode had one weak little link, yeah, it was that part. But then again, I don't know what for because Void um, the the show is forty four minutes long or whatever it is, and they're already thirty five minutes into the series, basic or into the show, and you don't have enough time to develop a, a better way of doing it. You only have a couple minutes tops to do yeah. that. And I thought that was the only weak weak link. But that doesn't mean that there was a better one that I can think of either. If so. you had more time, you might be able to slowly transition yeah. uh, both of them. So the two people in the spacecraft could potentially start moving slower as Voyager, the people on Voyager yeah. start to speed up and almost kind of trade that um, yeah, yeah. The transition and maybe meet in the middle almost, somewhere. Almost like um, when you step in from a cold cold room into a warm room, your body slowly warms up. Right. Let's say something like right. that. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think this is strictly done for the audience like you know but it was a necessity too it was a necessity to sh- for those space people i wish that like, species I, i'm had calling a name. them a species yeah. i'm calling yeah. them a, okay. I, this is why okay. i'm telling Alien. you i don't want to keep calling them species it's so <laughs> yeah. I- impersonal but they don't have a but name it's the only way to to showcase from the species perspective what's happening like yeah. that it's the only cuz otherwise they could just do what you guys are saying and it just wouldn't have as much of a visual impact on television. Like it just, it, it looked cooler seeing Alex yep. pour that coffee. They did a good tra- transition from uh, them being super speed, and then all of a sudden you get to see it through Voyager's eyes, specifically Janeway's, where she looks over and they're laying on the floor and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, they definitely note the they the definitely extended and... extended that transition for the sake of yeah storytelling yeah but exactly. out of the entire episode that was the only kind of weak link uh, if you want to call it that but. Uh, there's not not a lot of ideas I can think of that would have worked better in the time frame that we have allowed for it. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was wasn't great. I agree, but it was okay. It worked. They did what they had to do to yeah. to um allow them to have these other elements of the story in there. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the part where they were probably scratching their head a bit. Like, okay, we've got we had all these great ideas and we've gotten to this point, but what do we do here? Yeah. We need to do something. We they need, need to, to show this transition. Need yeah. They need to interact uh, normally, not uh, yeah. not uh, one at speed of light and the other at uh, regular speed. So yeah, because with uh, Voyager going to the planet, that you get the Doctor doing the transition, and, and mm-hmm. he's unaffected by these conditions, right? But yeah. now you got these people coming. Well, we can't have them be unaffected yeah. um, unless you you do something like they only come to visit once they have the technology to teleport to live through the tran- the transition right yeah. to be able to survive the transition if it had been like something along the lines of they want to they want to teleport or transport there then at least they could have uh like it had been the reverse way then uh like with the humans going down to the planet uh voyagers humans going down on the planet well then they could have done well we've set the 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 transporters to offset that uh change in in speed of uh living versus uh but because they came up in a little pod uh, there was, uh, and their technology is hundreds of years behind still. Uh, they couldn't do it. But they did kind of address it later in the episode, which they I'm sure will get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow, with the, slow, spoiler. Well, well, what? Well, what? Spoiler. Not, coming, not, coming up. It's not, coming up soon. I'm not saying anything. It's coming soon. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll let you continue into yeah. that. Yeah. It's quite ruining it, Terry. We're not far from it now. <laughs> yeah, we're so close to that that I'm going to stop you there. So the female, there, there was a male and a female on the spacecraft, and the female mm-hmm. actually dies from the the transition she doesn't survive they're able to save the male who is gotana retz who we mentioned before Mm -hmm. was our special guest for the for the episode 
And they successfully treat him, so he's alive. He took it well. He took it better than she did. Right off the bat, she was feeling queasy and nauseated on the on the Voyager, and he took a while longer to do that. So they, they did a good job in, in letting us know why she didn't survive, because he was just a little bit more resilient to it than she was. And, and the only, they couldn't save her for it. The only way they were able to treat him is because the doctor had spent time on the planet, yeah. and he learned their physiology. So, right. perfect. You know, it's it's a, yeah. well-rounded uh, Yeah, that's method. very well-rounded yeah. there. Yeah. So when Gotana wakes up, Janeway basically explains to him what's going on, mm-hmm. right? She says that his planet is out of sync with the rest of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like the, the galaxy lives in one kind of yeah. space-time continuum, and their planet lives in a different yeah. one. And he, it wasn't hard for him to understand that because he'd already seen that he was out of sync with Voyager. So yeah. He, it made sense to him. He kind of knew that going in at that point that uh, they were different than... He does. He, he learns it really quick. So he, he says like, yeah, so everybody everybody that I knew mm-hmm. is already dead. And he takes that extremely well. He does. Because, a little too well, actually. Yeah, a little too me. well. I'm thinking... Maybe he didn't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the reality is if they had said one line in the shuttle coming up saying, you've always been a bit of an outcast and your mind has always been focused only on this uh, on this program and that, I think uh, that would have uh, would have smoothed that little element out. Yeah. And that's how I always read it, that he was just... Uh, he Because if I found out that all my family's dead, all my everything I've ever known is gone, I don't think I'd been able to recover that quickly. Well, you know? well I'm going to bring another element to this. If you are two astronauts that are assigned to investigate God for the first time and or the skyship, mm-hmm. they could have went into this mission with the anticipation that maybe they're not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. could be a one-way trip. So maybe that explains why he takes it a little more Yeah, I would agree with that. Easier. Yeah, it's like it's um part of the job yeah. almost because like a if firefighter you, going to a burning building. That's yeah. right. You yeah. kind of ex- you know when you go to work that day you already accept that like w- what might happen and with yeah. with Star Trek and the characters they don't really mourn deaths all that much. They'll have maybe a small ceremony here or there, but they all realize it's a dangerous job, right? <clears throat> they're, yeah. they're in they're in fighting wars. Aliens are trying to attack them. All sorts of things can go wrong and people die. And people do die in this series. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of characters that you come to yeah. like who end up dying at some point. Look at all so. the red shirts in the original series. Yeah, that's right. Like you think there's ever been a, a red shirt funeral? <laughs> you guys ever seen one of those? No, Never. those don't exist. Never. Yeah, no, nothing's better than that one image where it shows Kirk with the, the tricorder and uh, three red shirts behind him. He's like, dig three graves over there. We'll explain later. <laughs> I, I mean, to anyone who's getting into Star Trek, yeah, there's, there's, for a show that's all about... Well, everything we're describing, there are a lot of random deaths in the show. I mean, mm-hmm. there have... Natasha Yar. Hall, or ship hulls being blown open and just random crew being sucked out and moments like that really resonate they hit hard because star trek isn't about the violence and the death and everything but every now and then they do that to remind you that these guys are in space anything can happen the series does a good job at the opposite as well though is they they often people are dying but they're bringing in other characters uh, Mm -hmm. to join the ship and join the crew so yeah it's neat um janeway she urges him, she urges Gotana to go back to the planet and try to convince the this, the people down there that Voyager, they're not doing these yeah. earthquakes on purpose. And it's, she does it at the point where they're attacking Voyager for the first time where it's actually doing damage to Voyager. Yeah, they just, they, they soon after this actually start to attack with missiles. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because this guy's been gone for, I think it's about 50 years already he's been gone for. Yeah. 
but but this is this is classic Janeway, and I, I love it. Is she offers him a chance to stay on the ship? She says, "Look, I know that everybody you know is gone and dead. Mm-hmm. So you know, if if you don't want to return to this a time that you probably won't recognize, mm-hmm. you know, you're welcome to stay here on the ship." Yeah. And it wasn't until they got attacked that she saw no other way for Voyager to survive. That she says, "You got to go back because they're going to destroy Voyager." She doesn't. She doesn't force him to do anything, no. though. He 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 ultimately says, "You know, like I've." We have looked up to you so much. You've made such an impact on us. He says, "Of course, I'll help you." Yeah, is what, yeah. it's a really good scene for him. He's just like he never he never doubted that he wouldn't yeah. do what he could to help them. And I love his flight back down in that little pod. <laughs> it's so good. Because, uh, they, are you going? Are you going to summarize? Go ahead. The no, story? we're there. Go so ahead. So he's in the little pod, and he's got to get down to the surface to tell them to stop shooting Voyager. And uh, right when he's halfway down, I guess, because uh, all you see is his face in the pod. And uh, it's like an air traffic controller uh, saying, you're you're violating airspace and you got to leave. And he's like, but I'm Gotana. Uh, and yeah, she's like, yeah, and I'm like the boogeyman or something like, like some <laughs> ridiculous the, the channel thing. he's calling in on. Yeah. That used to be like the space, like the yeah, space yeah. channel. He's like, okay, this is for like emergency launch control he's calling launch control right yeah yeah um trying to warn aircraft them. one to launch or spacecraft one to launch control or whatever and she's like yeah. they're very funny like la- launch control has been gone for 50 years yeah. like when you get off this channel he's it, like it, it, he, he's got to convince them that it's a not, weather it's a weather, cool. channel yeah, now. Like it's a weather channel it's yeah. a it's a fascinating piece of writing because you got this dilemma of voyager being attacked and and all this tension, and now there's this little tiny bubble conversation with a weather yeah. station. Like, get off this channel. No, yeah. Need. And it's... He's like, do you it, ever want to do anything perfect. with your life? Now's the time to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah she, he says, if you've ever wanted to report more than just the weather, <laughs> now's your chance. Yeah. And that was brilliant. And uh, um, and I think that this is where the director and the, the director's element and their vision comes into play. Because you got Voyager getting bombarded, and uh, very shortly after Gotana is starting to go down in that that conversation, Voyager gets nailed with two or three more shots, and Paris is like that last one. Well, that was a doozy. And then uh, what's his name tells him uh, Chicote says, "Well, that's a tri cobalt thing," and he's like, "Yeah, it took out the last of our shields." Yeah. So, and then the next thing you know is something else. Like two energy sources are coming up to the to the ship, and they're expecting to get nailed, and they have no shields. Right. And, so and, uh, let me interrupt for a second yeah, here. For sure. So as Gotana is going down, mm-hmm. as as you mentioned, as he's agreeing to go do it, they're getting attacked. Yeah, yeah. And very, we we've spent this whole episode without them getting attacked yet. They but didn't have the very rapidly, they start getting hit with um, torpedoes. Yeah. And each one that they get hit with is more powerful than the last. Yeah. So they they probably realized, okay, look, we sent this spacecraft up to make contact. And they they did not back. come back. So here's, we gave you your chance. We gave you the peaceful chance. Yeah. Now we're going to attack them and destroy them. Yeah. So they keep sending missiles up and it's like, okay, this one, we've been, the first one's like, we've been hit, but there's no damage. Yeah. Then it's like 13% damage to the shield, uh, 30%, 50%. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, the tricobalt takes out their shields. Yeah. They have no shields left. And during this is when he's having his little conversation, yeah. <laughs> which is so, which is so good and why it's so intense. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, they... They see two unidentified massive energy signatures yeah, headed towards them. They don't even know them. what they are. No, they, they don't know what they are. So I'll let you continue from there. Uh, sure. So these two energy sources come up and the crew is expecting to get destroyed, possibly. We're and all thinking that they're going to get yeah, blown yeah. to shit here. And it ends up being two vessels. And the vessels submerge Voyager in, in a 
in an encapsulated and right around either just before or just after that you see Gotana appear on the on the bridge he's slightly different dressed and he looks a little older or not much but a little bit older and he says it's good to see you guys again and uh um and at that point you realize he must have uh he must have convinced them because the, the the attack stopped right and they came up on a ship not not attacks and, and not only did the attack stop but those two vessels that came up knew exactly what to do to pull yeah yeah they told them. they towed voyager yeah, out of yeah, the, right the, after the planet that, they, orbit. they told him out yeah yeah and yeah. uh um, so it was a really, really wonderful thing to see him. You don't even know he made it down, let alone got them to shut off the thing. And then you find it all out in about a 10 second window or 15 second yeah. window. Mm. Well, it's such yeah. a slow building episode to get to a climax like that, where it's just like missiles, missiles, yeah, missiles, yeah. shields going down, 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 down. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's really intense at the end. It really was. And they, and this is where I, I said that stories lines trend transcend almost everything else, but this is where the director's touch really makes the difference. Uh, because if that scene had been handled in a different way, it might not have been as encapsulating and enticing mm-hmm. for the audience to watch. But the way she handled it um, made you wonder: Well, is this the dooms doomsday weapon coming up, or what? It could what could it be? And uh, you find out that it's the best of all all scenarios. Yeah, sure. So, Gotana who's on the bridge he says he's using a device called a temporal compensator Mm -hmm. so he's able to exist for a short amount of time in their time in in the galaxy's Mm -hmm. time frame without without the time passing for him but he says it's going to be a long time before his people can come and greet the rest of the galaxy so it sounds like you'd mentioned earlier what if they just hung around for six weeks maybe this they would come out but it sounds like they try to put a little bit of a like a pin in it at the end saying, even though they've reached this level of technology, what's holding them back is so much greater than what they could achieve that it's going to be a while. And then also with Voyager gone, that pursuit, what do you, they might lose that pursuit to go and explore. But I don't know. At the same time, knowing that there's these other planets out there, maybe they want to head out even harder. But I think the one thing that, uh, and you had touched on this and I I wanted to wait until we got to this moment in, in the story. Um, the one thing that I regret in this show, and I get it's a major thing and the show wasn't ready, wasn't, it wasn't in their, their idea set to do it, but was, I was hoping Gotana would join the crew and because they had to send him down, that didn't mean that he couldn't have still joined the crew. It would have been really cool. I thought he would have been a really great character to add to uh, yeah. the cast, but that requires a lot of foresight and how you want to integrate. And, um, I bet you that was never the intent of the, this episode to allow that. So, right. But. but Go ahead, Jay. No, no, go ahead. Oh, um, just to add to what you're saying, Terry, and, and what you said earlier, like it is a, uh, for such a tense episode, it is it is a great tribute back to uh, Voyager and, and what it is, because Voyager is a, is a band of misfits. It's a band of lost boys, you know, like they had their initial crew, but they picked up crew along the way, you know, every, they, they're, they're people without a home. And so they adopted a lot of, similar folk along the way. And, and it was really nice to see that Janeway did give that olive branch to him. Yeah. Um, and I think I agree with you, Terry. I think he would have made a pretty cool member of the crew. I he think really would have been. he, there would have been a story to tell there. And um, knowing that maybe he had to remain on Voyager the rest of his life, he couldn't go outside the walls. Otherwise he'd maybe age. Like there's just, there's a, there's a, there'd be a lot of story to tell there, but um, yeah, that's one, a side piece of Voyager that I always enjoyed. It was, um, they, they built the crew as they went along in their journey. 
Yeah, like anytime they would encounter a new character who was a real strong character or real strong presence, there was always the possibility that this character would join the show. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, it makes it so believable that he might join mm-hmm. since she offered it to him. And then for him to turn it down makes it so much more powerful for me mm-hmm. because he could have done it, but he doesn't, he doesn't, so he doesn't even, he cares more for Voyager and helping them out mm-hmm. than really he does about himself. It's such a, such a selfless act that he makes. Yeah. Right. And I can understand the motivation behind it because pretend you're an astronaut in our world, right? Um, as a, as a child that wants to do that, that's going to be a pretty powerful drive to want to be out in space, to want to be out in the moon, to want to be pushed further and that, that uh, be uh, that exploration. Well, add that to the fact that this ship that's been in the atmosphere since uh, 10,000 years ago to them uh, has been driving their technology and their dreams and hopes to get there. And now, uh, now it, so it makes sense why he would want to sacrifice so much for it because he, he wanted to be an explorer in a space space explorer yeah, this, anyway the, and this is a this is a really big uh this big is it. thing to him yeah yeah so that gets us to our last scene which is really good it's mm-hmm. really powerful so it's 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 back on the planet at the same place that the episode started at, the, yep. at that at altar, altar yeah, yeah at that yeah. altar and gotana is sitting there and he he looks like he's 190 years old. <laughs> he looks so he's, old. He's definitely at the end of his life. I think, or like, he looks or like, like he is. two and a half days on Voyager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting at that altar, mm-hmm. and when we previously saw it, it's just there was, it's like a mountainous area. There's nothing really there, right? Yeah. And now there's this super futuristic city there. I miss that detail. Then. Oh, it's yeah. it's I fascinating. Never, yeah. It's it's like I, I a, remember a city in, in, kind of in the back, way in the background, but I don't no, remember it being close to it. Yeah, it's right there. It's all like weird, like bubble um, yeah, it's, shapes. It's, it's like right it, out of the Jetsons. It's, oh yeah, it looks like the Jetsons. Cool. So I, I overlooked that detail. And that's um that's like what Janeway was saying. Like what you're going back to is going to be so foreign to you, yeah. right? And so so he's sitting there. He's looking up at the sky, at the Voyager star, and it finally. Uh, disappears mm-hmm. you can see it kind of like taking off and disappearing yeah and then he kind of has a he smile smiles, on his face yeah. and it, and the show ends there but i guarantee you all of us in a way even on the inside smiled exactly the same way because it was mm-hmm. such a perfect end it was, it, that's it was such it a was, perfect end like there's one part that i forgot to talk about uh, well, we're out of time, Terry. Yeah. You blew it and you screwed it for yourself. You guys will never know, and it, it was worth it. it uh, the one part was when the doctor doctors already come back to Voyager, and they brought Gotana on, and it's that couple minutes of, of bantering with Gotana, and uh, so he's talking to the doctor, and doctor's like, "Yeah, I was on the planet for three years," and they're talking about whatever sports team they were, yeah. and uh, it t- turns out the doctor was like the Continentals, and the and Gotana was the River River side. That, that was that. a fun and yeah. then, banter. And yeah. then they're talking about the the the, the sports, and doctor finds out that he the, his hero of that sports game was uh, that's his great grandpa of the of the one that Gotana's cheering for or cheering against. And uh, then he says, well, they're having a bad season. They're 5 and 12. And he's like, yeah, yeah. that guy, the grandpa would be spinning in his grave right now if he uh, had a season See, like that. See, that that was so well delivered. Like, with everything happening in that episode, to just break and have a, a banter about, yeah. about, you know, what's going on with the league and everything in the sports. Like, it was awesome. And can I jump onto mm-hmm. that part? This whole episode had so many awesome layers to it. But the one thing that, and it was so subtly mentioned, 
and you probably know what I'm going to say. Uh, when the doctor was uh, escorting uh, him back onto his pod, and he mentioned just a snippet, I had a son when yeah, I was yeah. down on the planet. And I wonder if you, this is his name, can you yeah. look him up to see if he's still there? And then he's like, sure, doc, or whatever. And, and he just leaves, and then the camera focuses on the doctor's face, and you can just feel like he's never going to see his son again. And mm-hmm. that is the last time we ever hear anything about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. The doctor... Had a son somehow. I'm not sure how that. I think it was probably an adopted son. son, Yeah, but that is such a huge part of the doctor's development that Mm -hmm. that they didn't really. They just gave us a taste of it, and then it was on to the next. And I I was so amazed that they even added something like that. They didn't have to. No, no, that's great, and that that makes the moment when he finally gets beamed back so much more powerful because yeah. he loves his life on that planet. He mm-hmm. loves his son. But when he gets, when he finally gets beamed back to Voyager he's after joyous. three years, he runs and embraces Janeway. Yeah. And he's so excited and so happy. Like that's his real family, yeah. his true family. All right. Let's get to the segment of our show that we call what if. So, what if is where we like to speculate a bit on something that didn't happen, but what if it did happen? Okay. So, it was interesting that you brought up, Terry, what if Gotana had stayed on the mm-hmm. ship? Because I was considering that yeah. as the what if. But oh, all... I screwed up your... No, 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 you didn't, because I didn't go with that. You oh, okay. just about screwed it up, but not quite. Darn. Ultimately, what I want... <laughs> <laughs> Thwarted again. Yeah. Try harder oh, next time. Ah, <laughs> oh, you Ferengi. I wonder what your what if is then, because that was a that was a pretty obvious what if actually uh, for the Gotana thing. Well, ultimately, what I went with was what if the Doctor ended up staying on the planet. So oh, hold, hold on, hold on. Okay. Before you start, let's say Voyager gets freed in the same way that mm-hmm. they got freed. Okay, so these spaceships come up, tow them out, and they're unable to retrieve him. Mm-hmm. What would he do and what would they do well first of all before we even go to what if what would happen there um i think i don't know if they realized the risk they took sending him down because that's their doctor that's their uh go-to guy whenever anybody gets hurt and then they i don't know if they realize the risk of sending him down you know they have a track record of sending him into the situations where humanoids are unable to go so this is a this is a normal thing in the show yeah he's often doing these and he wants to do them he wants to prove himself so he's often doing these types of things uh for true, them so true. that was a big big risk and uh um but then it makes me think also is the doctor actually down on the planet or is terry still... okay. the, the question <laughs> is what if the doctor stayed on the planet okay, okay he's okay, on the voyager is gone he's on the planet the doctor what does he is do great. on the planet the, what does voyager do without him in the space? doctor's life is great he lives his life for thousands of years or whatever that is no on there. but but uh Elaborate on that. Like, well, how does uh, he live for a thousand years? Like, well, at what point power, do they realize that this guy is living? Batteries are doing on that that little uh, <laughs> energizer <laughs> batteries. For I, however long that lasts, he he's there, right? So I assume he's living his life as he did for those three years. Does he tell? Does he by, tell people that he's a hologram from another world? Well, he's got to tell people them start to question why he's, he's not aging. That he's thousands of years old, or he has to leave like Highlander on the show. So I think the doctor's life goes exactly the th- way the three years happened. Just 
longer. So he continues on. But what about when his loved ones start to question why he's not aging? And or then, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Actually, he they did give him the ability to change his physical parameters because they didn't know what that species would look like. Yeah, yeah. And he did change himself a bit. So he probably could make himself look like he's aging. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when he's 2,800 years old, see, he better be uh, really I guess he could change <laughs> the way he looked altogether, right? He could he, make himself look like a different person. He would have he to could do... leave. He could leave the city... And then come back as a different person, yeah, yeah. really, and just keep living That's as what a new, have to a new identity, because, right? Uh, and um, I think it was I was reading one of the Highlander kind of books, or and why are you they, talking so much about Highlander? <laughs> because it it, it it plays into this concept really well. Because they don't age, they they can't just tell everybody that they're something different than right. what everybody else is. So they have to make it look like. And in in that show, they use oh he's my son or my grandson, you know, like he okay. goes away for five years and he, or twenty years or whatever it is, and he's his son now, you know. Right. So people still have that connection with him, but but he's not what. Right. And then gotcha. the, the spitting image thing makes sense, you know. Yeah. So um, he could do that element. He could just go away to the other continent, come back once a lifetime, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, age himself as he needs to on his on his. Uh, I can't remember what that that element. Mobile, mobile emitter. Mobile, mobile emitter. emitter. Yeah. Okay, um, so you think he would be fine? I think he would. He would be sad to see Voyager leave yeah. and, and whatever. But I think he would just turn out to live his life uh, yeah. like that. that he he would. Already established. I think. I think. I agree. I think he he he'd be very sad, but um, I think he would enjoy it because the the one thing we learn about him is that he really wants to be recognized as like a, a human almost right yeah. he, he whatever chance he can get he's looking to have family yeah. and and live that aspect of life so yeah i think he would i think he would do just fine he likes the he likes the the most um I don't know if the human of human traits are. He likes the arts. He likes uh, connection with family. He likes um, uh, things that make us different than other mammals. Like well, the, he, the he likes the things that aren't programmed into him. True. Right? Like he's trying to learn all these things so they're new to him. All this information is programmed into him and it's yeah. just – it's his job almost. But yeah. when he gets to go and have these adventures, then he gets to learn and – experience things that aren't programmed into his mm-hmm. uh, his matrix jay what do you think did you want to say anything about him on the planet yeah yeah i'm uh you know you guys make some excellent points i'm i'm taking it all in i'm thinking of more i think he could go one of two ways either like don't be like the doctor is a what's the word i'm looking for he he is an advanced piece of technology that carries with him knowledge of the entire human race about all their advancements and mm-hmm. leaps and bounds and all that it, could there be a point where someone on the planet discovers his identity somehow manipulates it and, and utilizes that maybe uses it for something not so good maybe mm-hmm. they you know it's like it's like uh, you know an alien crash lands in roswell and the government's keeping them locked up and doing experiments on them to you know what if it's a situation like that or like you said tim i think for a long time he would be content and he'd be happy but I think eventually I could see his character becoming like this desolate. crazy, desolate old man that just shouts nonsense to people saying, I used to travel the stars, and they just like, yeah. whatever, old man, and then just brush him off as some mm-hmm. nobody. But well, His program would you know, probably start to degrade. degrade. Yeah, and I, and I think whether you went in the lines of the, the species taking advantage and utilizing his technology for their development, or him kind of as his technology degrades he degrades and society mm-hmm. views him as just a, a crazy guy. Um, it's, it's a sad ending for the doctor, but it, it's certainly another avenue they could yeah, take. There's a third channel there though. That's kind of a combination of the two 
uh, instead of the some random person getting a hold of his technology, the doctor discovers after a while he's like, I want to help these people and uh, advance. And he's got all this knowledge and all this. Uh, that That's the other part, too. He could become a core uh, staple in our society. Yeah. Maybe his consciousness is, is. He could be what they need to get out of that atmosphere. Yeah. So there's there's that. And his driving factor is, well, once he's out of the atmosphere, maybe he can reach it back to Voyager some strange but way. But we're, we're talking as if this species is going to go on forever. Like, I, I feel like this species, with how fast they're developing, they're, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go as far as we think. Well, they could burn out really we fast. We don't the, get the sense of this species. See, humans, we have, assuming we don't kill ourselves on this planet with pollution or war or any of the other number of things that we potentially can do to eat ourselves... Humans, if we continue to develop our technology without burning ourselves out that way, we have no limits. We keep going outwards and uh, and growing as as uh, a species. Uh, as long as we don't take ourselves out or some outside factor doesn't take us out like an asteroid or whatever. But um, we don't get the sense of this species enough to know. Uh, we know that they're angry at the the god, the, the, the sky ship. We know that there's some that want to start war with it, some that don't. Um, we know that they got in a little war together, but what we don't know is how fanatical they are about war. Maybe war wasn't a big thing to them. Maybe that uh, they're more peaceful than that and they would prosper and, and go that direction. So um, there's not quite enough information to know that. So the sky's yeah. limit on, on where you want to write it. This, I'm just thinking about another what if, but I don't want to get us off topic. Yeah, we're running a bit long anyways. So I think we'll probably leave it at that. I think what happens if what happens on Voyager is that you probably get a little bit of fun interaction with uh, Harry Kim and Tom Paris because they're going to need a new doctor. Mm-hmm. And we've seen in previous episodes where they try to build a new hollow matrix for a doctor. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's kind of a, a funny, jokey situation. So maybe we get several weeks of them trying to build a new character and maybe mm-hmm. what they what they might end up with will be far, um, far less than what the doctor was yeah. but um maybe starting kind of back at square one with a with a doctor who maybe knows one one hundredth or something like that of yeah. what the other the, the doctor really knew might be a fun way to go with the show yeah, yeah for it could, sure it could be interesting if he's maybe taken back to just having enough experience to um you know uh fix fix people if they're yeah. sick yeah. or if they're i suspect that wounded he would just or cut be or more robotic even yeah. though he might be humanoid and and whatever, he'd be very static and robotic, just like you know, like Siri and um, and Google, you know, where you say Google play this, and it's really robotic and it only answers the very specifics, kind of like the ship does for answering back and forth. The Doctor is very advanced; he's like a you wouldn't know he's not a human, and uh, that's probably from years of development in, yeah. in a lab that made it. If they get that hold of it, it would be like nineteen eighties kind of uh, yeah roboticism there. yeah I, I don't think you could replace the doctor with with another character that was like the doctor because the doctor's because the character. audience fell in love with them i mean I they would could be... they could have replaced the doctor with the doctor right they could have like, replaced like another version of the him. super advanced doctor with oh, a less advanced doctor like yeah. the same character the same uh, robert thing, picardo just, uh, playing the same guy rewound. just he's now he doesn't have all that information he had yeah, sure. ultimately i don't like it but it they, they could have done that if yeah. they if they chose to or 
they not replace the Doctor, and Voyager becomes a crew without a Doctor yeah. for the yeah. first time in Star yeah. Trek's history. Interesting. What do the, What do you do? Interesting. Like that's interesting. Um, I never I never bought on the idea that Paris become the Doctor. He's already got his hands full with piloting oh, the ship. Paris. There's another ninety other characters in the ship. Yeah. Somebody else should have been like your your main pilot should not be the Doctor. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Par- and I never bought onto that part. Paris's character. I mean, let's be honest. No one really. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever like Paris? Like, did anyone really gravitate towards Paris's no, character? I, I only gravitate towards, towards a doctor. I, for the most part. I feel like as the seasons went on, producers and everyone kind of felt this, and they're like, "We <laughs> we got to give him many hats. We got to get him this. He's not just a pilot. He's a doctor. He's married to Bellana. Yeah, That's for some yeah. reason, he's, he's Mister Torres. For some reason, yeah. Bellana's attracted to him now, and it's just <laughs> <For> some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they were really trying to fill him in. Well, but whatever. Well. That's going to be it for this week. So, Jay, Terry, thank you for joining. Thank you for this week. Uh, I'd love to have you guys back again to talk more Star Trek if you'd like to come back. Oh, absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, that's it for us this week, and we'll catch you next time. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.